So we're gonna get into our series this morning. Our series is called Faith. Um, that wasn't obvious by what I was saying before. And for those who don't know me, um, my name is Ashley. I am the youth and kids pastor here. Um, so you won't see my face heaps because I'm often out with the kiddos. Um, but I'm making a guest appearance this morning. Um, coming out for you today. Alrighty. Dang, I have my this already logged in, and that's technology is great. All right, <laughs> so we got your Bibles this morning. We're going to turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17 to 40. 1 Kings chapter 18. Thank you very much, Ben. You can take your seat. We're talking about faith this morning. So good. So as you're looking at 1 Kings chapter 18, I really encourage you, get yourselves a hard copy Bible. It will save your life because there's going to be a day when you're, where your phone goes flat, your iPad goes flat, where your, you know, your phone, your iPad, whatever dies. There's going to be a day where Apple decides or um, Google Play decides that they're going to take the Bible app off their store. And if that's all you got, you're not going to have a Bible anymore. So you need to get yourself a hard copy. And can I tell you, people are like are dying to get their hands on one of these in many countries around the world. So if you're in a country where you can get your hands on one really easily and don't have one, you're making a huge mistake. Get one of these. So some pre-context to this chapter as you're looking it up. So Israel, God's chosen people of the nation, they were in some serious trouble. We see this a lot in the Old Testament especially. King after king, the book of Kings tells us, did more evil than the king before him. King Solomon begins this, well, not necessarily, they all did some pretty dodgy stuff, but King Solomon's a pretty bad start to this tidal wave of mess. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Silly man. Um, and led Israel into idolatry because he took on the idols of all. Can I just have myself turned down a little bit? I feel like I'm echoing everywhere. Um, but um, led, he led Israel into idolatry and brought all of the idols from these wives um, with him into this nation. And let, so we're letting, leading the Israelites into the worship of false gods um, and pagan worship. So the kingdom of Israel then following the reign of Solomon became divided. Um, and so they had a northern and a southern um, kingdom. So there was the northern kingdom of Israel and then the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, and so then the rulers of the northern kingdom of um, Israel, we had King Jeroboam after um, who built shrines to other gods. He appointed non-Levite priests, which was against um, the law of Moses and ignored the warnings of the prophets. Then following him, we had his son, King Nadab. He's got some great names. Um, I was offering up some of these names to Millie and Mong P. If they had a boy, I said, look, we've got some great names in the Bible, like Jehoshaphat, like Jeroboam, like Nadab, you know. Um, so, so King Nadab, he continued to promote idol worship like his father. And then he was later assassinated. Um, you know, I guess he deserved that um, no, by, by King Bashar. Um, and his name actually means Baal he is. So they're really deep in the idol worship by this point where they're naming their children after gods. And King Bashar didn't learn um, from the previous kings either and he continued the idol worship. Then we king, had King Elah, um, his son, which means oath or curse. 
I'm going to say, yeah, you definitely had a curse on your life because he also was assassinated after two years because he continued in the ways of his father. And then we had King Zimri, who was the assassinator, and he lasted seven days in his reign um, because he continued the pagan practices. Then he got overthrown by King Omri, who ruled for 12 years, who didn't learn either and continued this pagan worship um, practices and this idol worship. And he led his people in rebellion against God and raised the most corrupt king in Israel. So he's the worst dad of all the dads in the Bible. Um, he raised the most corrupt king in Israel, King Ahab, who we are going to be talking about today. So these leaders in Israel were bloodthirsty, idol worshipping, God forsaking people who led the people of Israel in rebellion against God. So they were in a pretty bad place when we're getting here. That's some, some context. Um, so we, th we think that it just gets worse and worse. It's like, no, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad back then and it's pretty bad now. Like nothing's new under the sun, like um, King Solomon says. So 1 Kings 16 verse 33, it says, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, of, Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So that's, that's pretty bad. God's pretty patient. Um, God is pretty patient, I think we've known in our own lives. So if he did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel, who were pretty awful people, he's a pretty bad guy. And so they were worshipping two main gods at the time. They had Asherah and Baal. So Asherah was the goddess of fertility, depicted as the mother of Baal. I think one of the extra bad things that the Israelites did was they believed in Asherah as the wife of Yahweh. Um, God has no wife, um, you know, and they tried to link their gods to the one God. They worshipped Asherah through illicit sex, ritual prostitution and sa child sacrifice of the firstborn child. Um, then we have Baal, who was the known as the storm god, the lord of rain and dew, um, king of the gods, also a god of fertility. And this worship of Baal also involved child sacrifice. I find it very ironic that a god of fertility involves child sacrifice. But that's when you know it's stupid things made by the hands of men. So, um, yeah, the hope in, in the midst of all this idol worship and rebellion against God was very small, but we did have this one incredible faithful man named Elijah, and he was a prophet of the Lord and was able to stand up in this time. So let's look at 1 Kings 18, verse 17 to 22. It says, Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Just so you know, they were going on a rampage, wanting to kill all the prophets of the Lord. Um, uh, with his wife uh, Jezebel. Um, so they wanted to kill everyone. So then, um, then Elijah actually came to the king. So he's risking his life already. And he came to approach Ahab and Ahab said, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So my first point today is faith stirs trouble. 
Faith stirs trouble. Never will you do something great for God without having the enemy stir up trouble around your life. And if we say that in an opposite way, you should know that you're not doing something great for God if you don't have some sort of trouble stirred around your life. If your life is too cushy and comfortable, you're probably not stepping out in faith. You're probably not doing something great for God. I'm just being honest because faith stirs trouble. The enemy loves mediocre Christians. He loves comfy Christians because they do nothing. He loves comfy Christians because comfy Christians are more likely to love someone into hell than to redirect traffic to heaven. So we need to not be like this. They, they, this is the kind of comfy Christians that the devil loves because they're too safe. They live too safely. They live in fear of offending anyone that they can never do any kind of good. But Elijah was not like this. It's interesting because Elijah says to the people, I alone am left as a prophet of the Lord. But was he the only one? Well, if we go back to verse four, it actually says that Obadiah took 100 prophets and had hidden them in a cave, 50 to a cave and fed them with bread and water. So it wasn't that, it was actually interesting because Isaiah, was, I mean, not Isaiah, Elijah, getting all the prophets confused. Elijah was not exactly lying when he said he was the only prophet left. I think what he meant, I'm the only prophet who's left standing because they've got a hundred prophets of the Lord when they've got the God Almighty on their side and they're hiding in a cave out of fear. Instead, he was the only one that was left because he was the only one that was faith filled and making a stand for God. He cared more about the mission on his life. He cared more about, you know, what God had called him to do and to walk in obedience than he cared about his life. He was willing to risk his life to stand up against the enemy. He would rather risk his life than preserve it. He would rather face off with the enemy than to hide away because he was a man of faith and he believed in his God. Like Pastor Ian talked about in the, um, in the tithe message in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Elijah was a, a man who was anointed by God. He was like, he didn't even die. He got to go up to heaven in a chariot flame. You should look that up. It's like sick. Um, but... <laughs> You know, this man, he saw so many incredible miracles in his life. He had the favour of God on his life because he was a man full of faith. He was a man who was pleasing God because he was faith-filled. And it is impossible to please God without faith. He's looking for the faithful, those who trust Him and put their confidence in Him. There's no use in believing in God if you're just going to hide away in a cave, if you're just going to hide your faith. Um, because of the troubles of the world. We're called to be a light in dark places. You know, the Scripture says in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. If you're the light of the world, can you imagine if you're the only light, we have an only light in a room and you turn that off, then you're just sitting in darkness, right? So if you are the light of the world and you hide away, then the whole world's sitting in darkness. You are that light. It's not saying you're one of the lights. It's saying you are the light. The believers are the light because we carry the hope of God. Like we carry the, li the life for the world. The, the, the um, eternal life is in these words. We carry the only hope for the world. That is why we are the light of the world. 
A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's really important is the see your good works. Let your light shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 17, that faith without works is dead. So it's actually important that you don't just say, I believe in Jesus, but that people would see your works. They would see you stepping out in faith. A belief needs to be demonstrated through works. And when you start to do the work of God and step out in faith, trouble will be stirred around you because the enemy is not going to let you off scot-free. You have to stand strong. You have to stand strong. And, and I can say that I've listened to so many people talk about their testimonies. I've seen this in my own life, but I've seen incredible people like Sean Foyt, who is standing up, you know, for the gospel. He's spreading his worship, um, spreading worship all around his nation. And he had Antifa coming after him and they had like riots in the streets and and police after them. You know, faith stirs trouble. He was doing great things. They were seeing many people come to Christ, many people being healed of addictions. They were doing incredible work for God, but because he did not hide his faith away, trouble was stirred up by the enemy around his life. I listened to Nick, um, I don't know how to say his last name, it's like Vajujik, something like that. He's the guy that has no limbs and he has this incredible ministry that he goes around sharing his faith. And he was talking about on a podcast I listened to recently when he started making this really bold stand for, pro, um, for the pro-life cause that he said he actually had a grenade at his house. People were trying to kill him, you know. So that this is what happens when we stand for our faith. But you have to stand strong. Faith comes with trouble, but, but God is on our side and we need to stand strong. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So when we look at 1 Kings 18 verse 23 to 29. It says, Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood. Put no fire under it and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even, even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. It's pretty graphic. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. My second point is faith equals complete confidence. I find that so interesting about Elijah's faith is that he was not deterred by the crowds. In verse 25, it actually says that 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah were there. And I don't know how much other crowd came to like see this spectacle, but I'm pretty sure if you heard this was going on in your town, you'd be there. You know, <laughs> they didn't have TV back then. They were going to like come out and, and see a live viewing of what's going on. So that's 850 prophets alone 
let alone the rest of the people that probably gather around to watch this. But he was not intimidated by the loudest voice, by the greatest number, by the popular culture. He understood that there were many of them but they were, um, and he was severely outnumbered, but his confidence was not in the numbers of the people on his side, but in the greatness and power of his God. Not only that, but he could see the futility of their idol worship. In verse 28, we see, like I said, how they cried aloud and they were cutting themselves. We see, he's watched all his life people doing child sacrifice and, 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 and living in debauch, um, debauchery. And, and then they're cutting themselves. I just want to tell you that that is a marker of the enemy. Self-mutilation. And we see that over and over again in our society with young people with self-harm and with this whole um, transitioning of genders. That's another form of self-harm, isn't it? And we see this even in Jesus' time when He goes to see Legion, um, this man that is filled with demons in the temple. What is that man doing? Cutting himself with rocks. It is that it is a, sim, a sign of the enemy of people's life. The influence of the enemy is child um, is self mutilation, is is destruction. Why would you worship something that destroys you? Worshiping the work of your own hands destroys you. These people were destroying their lives through worshiping these things of their own hands. And and Elijah could see this. And this is why it's really important that we open our eyes to the world around us. We get so intimidated, you know, with issues like abortion and issues like transitioning and issues like um, uh, euthanasia and, whatever, and prostitution and all these things. And we get intimidated by the loudest voice speaking over these things. But church, do we see the destruction that is happening in those things? We need to be like Elijah. I don't care how many people are yelling against me. I see that that is destroying people's lives. And so I'm going to stand against that. I know it's not right because it's destroying people. And he could see that. His eyes were open to see that. And he was able to confidently speak against it. He had complete confidence in his God. He was so confident that we see in verse 27 that he mocked them. You know, you have to have complete confidence to start smack talking people. Because who knows that if you smack talk and you lose, that's a real big embarrassment. That's, that's, that's something you can't live down. You have to just like hang your head and walk out. You'll never hear the end of it if you smack talk and then you don't live up to, you know, the big game that you've talked. And Elijah was seriously talking up a big game and he was the only one. But not only was he talking a big game, but he had his life on the line because this king wanted to kill him. So it was life or death is whether God is going to put fire on this altar or not, is if God does not put fire on this altar, I am dead. Like that was, that was what was at stake for him. But he had complete confidence that God would come through. He had faith in God. So 1 Kings 18 verse 30 to 37, it says, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two Seers, I don't know, of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice that the prophet came near and said, 
Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God of is um, you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And my third point is faith is action. Faith is action. In verse 30, he says, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Can I just say, we are living in a culture of broken altars. We're living in a culture where people have never had an opportunity to even know God, to even worship God. We've made him so inaccessible because we've allowed culture to overtake our university, our schools. Our kids are being taught that they have no purpose, that they, they, they're here by accident they have no purpose and they're going to die and that's going to be the end of their life. That they are meant for nothing, that they have no worth, they have no value. That's what they're being taught in school. They're being taught that there is no God, there is no purpose, there is no reason for them to be here. No wonder we have the most depressed generation, the most suicidal generation, when this is the message of our culture being spoken over our young people. We have broken altars in our community where it once was that everyone went to church. We had like churches in every little town so that people could all go together to hear the Word of God. And now we're even afraid to even mention that we're Christian. You know, we've broken down all this, but He actually gathers the people together. He gathers these people who are engaging in temple prostitution. He gathers these people together who are engaging in child sacrifice. He gathers these people together that are engaging in idol worship that are so far from God. And He says, hey, come close to me. I'm rebuilding this altar. Come and watch and see what the Lord can do. Let me show you my God. Let me show you the true God. Come and see, come near to me. We need to be a generation that brings people close, you know, that brings people in. Come and see that the Lord is good. Come and see that the Lord is God. Come and see who He is. Let's rebuild these places where they can engage with the Word of God. You know, our, our young people in our youth ministry, it's so incredible what God is doing in our youth ministry because we literally this year was the first year besides probably one kid in our youth ministry, the rest of our kids, none of them had ever come to church before. This is their first experience in church until this year when we had a bunch of our new um, younger boys come up um, and girls come up um, from kids church. The rest of them, except one, are all not grown up in church. And most of them is their first time getting a Bible, their first time entering a church, their first time hearing about the gospel and hearing about Jesus was coming to this church and being in this youth ministry. And I'm like, that is so awesome, but incredibly sad. Because we forget that that's the generation that they are growing up in is that they don't even know the name Jesus other than as a swear word. They don't know who He is. And we've got to rebuild those altars and those connections and those places for people to come and to hear about the Word of God, to connect with Him. Faith is action. And I love with um, Elijah is that he drenches the altar. He makes it so impossible. Like it's already impossible. He's already got some serious pressure on him with everyone watching. And he's like, I've got so much confidence in God. Let's, let's drown this altar. Let's make it impossible for it to burn. Three times he pours four water pots over the altar. It is saturated, like absolutely saturated and so it's even, what was impossible is even more impossible. But his confidence in God, he puts his money where his mouth is. He actually puts 
action behind his faith. He has full belief in God and is willing to put all his cards on the table to risk everything because he is certain that God will come through. How do we expect people to come to faith in God when we don't even believe in what we are professing to believe? Faith is action, not mere words. And I found during COVID times, this is such a really good example. Just, just as a disclaimer, I'm not making a statement about the jab. I'm using it as an example because I thought it was a really great example is that people came to me. So we know there was so much controversy, there was so much division during that time. But people came to me and literally unfriended me, like to say, I'm not talking to you anymore. They harassed me. They told me I was a terrible Christian because I said, I don't want, I, for me personally, I don't want to take the jab. I don't think it's right for me. And people say, no, you have to take it. And if you don't take it, then blah, 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 you're the worst person ever. And I said, okay, tell me, sell it to me. Tell me why I should take this. And people would say these things like, and I just, I'm not saying this is for everyone who had it, but these were the specific people. And they said to me, Ashley, you need to take this because if you don't, you're going to get COVID and you're going to die. If you don't take this, you're going to infect everyone around you. If you don't take this, you know, then you, you won't be able to go out and you won't be able to travel overseas and you won't be able to travel anywhere or do anything or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. So tell me more about your life then. You're the one that's walking around. You've had, you know, three and you've had your booster and you're still walking around in fear. I'm the one that's going out, hugging everyone, saying hello to everyone, going to all the parties, whatever. And I haven't had it, but you're the one who's had three and you're so confident in it that you won't even step outside your house. You won't even take your mask off to eat. Like, you know, you're driving around in your car with a mask on, with no one else is there. How are you selling this to me? And, and like I said, this is not a statement about the jab itself. I'm talking about this situation because I thought, isn't this so much like Christian's faith? is when they say, oh, you should know Jesus. You should have faith in Jesus. These are all the benefits, but then it's not modelled in their life. They say, you should have Jesus, but like, well, there's no evidence of why I would want Jesus because you're living a more miserable life than I am. So, you know, um, and so we need, to, we need to be Christians of faith. We need to step out in faith. It's like, actually, if we say these are all the benefits of God, if we say these are all the things He can do, then where is it modelled in our life? Where is it modelled in our life? Because can people look at our life and actually want to buy into what we're selling? Um, you know, and not as in we're actually selling it, but do you know what I mean? So, so you know, are they actually going to want to buy into that because we model it so clearly in our life? Does our faith demonstrate, like uh, the way we live our life demonstrate our faith is legitimate and that we truly believe? Because what happens often is we say, Jesus can do miracles, oh, amazing, and He's so good, He can do anything. And then someone says, oh, okay, I'm sick. Can you pray for me? And you're like, oh, well, I don't have the gift of healing. Um, I'm not sure about that. Like, and that's how we get. Or we go, yeah, Jesus can do anything. And then we're like, oh, okay. Well, how about we pray for someone in our life that needs Jesus? Oh, yeah, but they wouldn't want Jesus. But I don't think God could, they're really far away. I don't think God can do it in their life. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? If you don't live by what you say you do, then your faith is not real. Your faith doesn't exist because faith comes in action. Your life has to reflect what you profess to believe. You know, Matthew 17 verse 20 says, So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, 
For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. If you have faith of a mustard seed, but some of us don't even have faith of an atom. Some of us, our faith is so small, you can't even see it. And if we could just have faith of a mustard seed, you know, we can move mountains, but we're so fearful instead of faithful. In Romans 10 verse 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. We need to fill ourselves up with this Word to be full of faith. There's this incredible song by this, um, I've told the youth about this, by this band called Kane the Band, and it's called Yes He Can. And I just play it over and over again because I love it. Because the chorus says, Did He move every mountain? Did He part every sea? Yes He did, so yes He can. Did He defeat the darkness? Did He deliver me? Yes He did, so yes He can. And the, that chorus is all it's talking about is I've seen it here before. I've seen God do it before. So can if He's done it before, can He do it again? Heck yes. If God can part a sea and He can drown some Egyptians in it, but open it for all the Israelites to go safely, then yeah, He can save that person in your life that needs Jesus. You know, if, if He can literally raise Lazarus from the dead, then He can heal that, that knee or that cancer or whatever it is. You know, you can believe for things. And I'm not saying every single time, there's sometimes there's things outside of our understanding and God knows better, but you've got to believe. If you don't believe, nothing will happen. Yeah, sometimes you're going to believe and things won't change, but if you don't believe at all, nothing will ever happen. We've got to believe to see things happen. And faith comes by hearing the Word of God to get in this so you know what He's done before so you can believe for what He can do again. And I love what He says here is He says, when He comes before the sacrifice, when He prays to God, He says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that You are God in Israel and I am Your servant and that I have done all these things at Your Word. Hear me, O Lord, hear that this people may know that You are the Lord God and that You have turned their hearts back to You again. You know, the whole reason was not just for a display, not just to be like, no, 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 I'm right, you're wrong. You know, you suck. You know, that's not what he was about. He said, the reason for this was so that they may see that you are God and that their hearts would turn back to you, God. That was his heart's cry. That was his desire. That was his mission was to see the nation of Israel turn back to God. That God, I believe if you do this right now, I do this not just for, I don't do this for glory for myself. I do this for glory for you. Because God, I believe if you set fire to this thing that all these people here will see that you are God and they will turn back to you and they will worship you. That's got to be our heart's cry. You know, God, if you do this miracle, it's not for me. It's not just so that I don't feel embarrassed, you know, that I've gone out on a limb, but no, because God, I want them to see You. God, I want them to know You. That is our mission. We step out in faith, not just because it's fun and we're like, oh, God can do something cool. Let's ask Him to do something. But no, because we want people to see God in our lives. We want to see people to know Jesus. We live by faith for the glory of God so all would see Him reflected in our lives. And then it said the, in verse 38 to 40, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. 
Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. What an ending. Four, number four, last thing. Faith precedes Miracles. I love how it just happened so quickly in the Bible. You don't know what like the time span was. It like just five felt, all right, let's execute the battle though. But faith precedes miracles. You know, even Jesus, even Jesus, you know, God in the flesh came and He even removed people from His presence when He was praying for miracles to happen. People who didn't have faith. You know, it is impossible to please God without faith. And we need faith for miracles to happen. We gotta believe that He is who He says He is and He can do what He says He will do. But notice, it was the then. It was after all the faith steps of Elijah. He stepped out first. He said, God's gonna do this first. He built the altar first. He put the bull there first. He drenched it with water first. And then God brought the fire. We like to stay in our rooms and just pray, God, would you change this world? God, would change. Beautiful, love that you're praying. But then what do you do after that? Are you doing what you can do? Because God's changing the heart. But if you don't actually plant the seed, then God can't water it. You know, if you don't actually step out in faith, what, what's there to work with? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. How will they hear if you never tell them? How will they hear unless you speak? I love our young people in our youth ministry, they're so, they're so faith-filled. I love it. They just hear the Word and they just step out. We've seen so many awesome stories. We've been praying together, haven't we, girls, for, for our bullies at our school even, and to see stuff. And I remember Kaylee was talking to me the other day and she was saying, I just pray, God, would you do something like in my school? Would you give me opportunities? And I love the faith of that. She didn't just sit in her room and pray, but when the opportunity presented itself, she said, then people started, these conversations started to open up at school with people who didn't know Jesus. And so I just started to share my faith and my story with these people. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Because that's exactly what we're called to do. And this is a young, you know, um, 13, 14 year old. I can't actually remember when her. <laughs> um, I just, I would imagine all my kids at 12 and then they stay at 12. So they're like, I'm 16. I'm like, no, you're 12. Stay there. Um, they're not allowed to grow. Um, so, but she prayed for opportunities to share faith and all these conversations open up. And I love that because faith comes first before the miracles, but it's the faith in the, in the prayer and the believing God as the faith in the stepping out as well. And then the miracle comes. Can I tell you, you have to step out first. You know, I, we always talk about this um, at youth with this chair. I'll just do it now so quickly. But if I have faith in this chair to hold my weight, I can talk about it all I want. Like this is a sturdy chair. It can definitely hold my way. I have faith to believe that. That's not faith. This is faith. I'm saying that this chair is not gonna break when I stand on it. That's where my faith is. When I'm putting my faith in it, I'm actually standing on it. And when you do that, and when you have faith in God, that's what you've got to do. You're actually stepping out on a limb. You're putting your weight on it. Because if that thing, you know, I've put everything on that. If that thing breaks, I'm going down. I've put everything, I've got no safety there. And that's what it's like stepping out of faith is you're stepping completely on God. Like you're leaning completely on Him, relying completely on Him. I've got no safety net. This is all you, God. Like you better, you know, please meet me there. Um, but this is what I have. Faith comes first before the miracles. And I love, and, and faith takes no prisoners. 
Faith takes no prisoners. We see in verse 40, he's like, all right, I showed you that God's real. Now let's get rid of you all. Um, They're getting rid of all of the influences, the demonic influences, the idol worshippers. He's like, we're getting rid of them all. We're getting them out. We're not going to settle for this. We're not going to allow this to continue. We've actually got to fight back. You know, faith says we're not going to allow these other influences around. He's trying to turn the, the nation of Israel back. And there's too many of us who go, oh yeah, we want to see Jesus, but we're going to allow for all of it, for all the views and all the opinions and all these things to infiltrate our schools and all of these things. It's okay. It's okay if you think abortion is good. You know, that's, that's your opinion and, and it's okay for everyone else, but just not for me. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And I'm not saying you, 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 you know, shut other people out and shut down their voices or anything like that. But if something is wrong, then it's just wrong, okay? And we've got to get, by faith, we actually need to fight against these things. He wasn't willing to settle for half a victory. He wanted a complete victory. He wasn't willing just to show people that God was real, but actually to fight and to push back against every demonic influence that was over the nation of Israel. They literally executed, I'm not encouraging murder, um, <laughs> like they executed, you know, these prophets and we're not going to go around executing like, you know, the satanic cult or anything like that. But, you know, because (laughs) there's possible for redemption through Jesus Christ, we believe that, but we want to push back on those influences. We're not going to let them settle, you know. If if, if a satanic church decided to, you know, set itself up in our neighbourhood, would we just go, oh, well, they're entitled to their views? No. You don't let the enemy take ground. That's when you'd be fighting back and being like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, all right, let's start a petition. Let's get them out of here. Let's pray around this thing. Like, you know, this is, this is what we do. We gotta fight back at this. We gotta step out by faith and then see God take the miracle. And, and the greatest one that we've seen of that is that Roe v. Wade in America. And I just believe that for here, as we're seeing these influences, these demonic influences trying to turn our nation around to be, um, you know, idol worship. You know, the satanic temple wants to make abortion a part of its religious sacrifice. That tells you that there's something wrong with that, isn't it? That they wanna make it part of their worship to sacrifice children, to abort children, then that tells you it's definitely wrong, isn't it? So, you know, we we don't want that in our nation and and we've got to stand up against that and push back against that and get rid of every demonic influence. Everything is past, step out in faith. And when you step out in faith, like I said, trouble comes. Elijah didn't have it easy. Read his whole story, it's wild. He does not have an easy moment in his life, but he has a faith-filled, triumphant, victorious life as he sees many turn back to God. He sees many miracles because he's a man of faith that steps out time and time and time again. Trust in God. So this morning, I wanna ask you, church, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Is your faith in God? Is your faith in the Creator of the heavens and the earth? Is your faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again to set you free, to give you the opportunity for eternal life? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Because if it's not in Him, you have no hope. (laughs) But if it is in Him, you have all hope. You have all hope. This morning, I just ask everyone in this place just to close your eyes. Just for a moment of reflection, ask yourself that question, where, where is my faith? Where is my hope? Today, I just wanna ask you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, then this is an opportunity to invite Him into your life. I just encourage you 
If that's you, you want to know Him, you want to have a relationship with Jesus, and I just encourage you with every eye closed in this place to lift your hand and I'd love to pray with you. Awesome, I see that hand. Maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus before, but like the Israelites, you went astray. Awesome, I see that hand. You went astray and you've turned to other things. You got mixed up in the culture of this world. You've sat on the fence, half here, half there, but you wanna go all in for God. And this morning you're like, I wanna come back to Jesus. I just encourage you to lift your hand as well. And I'd love to pray with you. Awesome, I see that hand. I see no one else. So good. All right, we're just gonna pray together. If church, we can all pray with our friends here um, this morning. Just repeat after me, dear Jesus, I thank You that You love me. I thank You that You love me so much that You gave Your life for me. I believe that You died on the cross for all of my sins. And I believe that You rose again to give me eternal life. I ask You today to come into my life, to be my Lord, which means I'll follow You, and to be my Saviour, which means I'm set free. I thank You, Jesus, for Your salvation. Amen. Awesome. So if you prayed that prayer, I just really encourage you to come speak to a leader this morning. We'd love to help you on that journey of faith and pray with you some more. But I just encourage everyone at church just to stand to your feet this morning because there's some people out there you can be, you've got two choices if you're a believer. You can be an Elijah and stand boldly and courageously in the face of everything that's going on in this world. Or you can be one of the hundred prophets hiding in a cave who's still like, yeah, I love, I love God and I have faith in Him. Faith, like the size of an atom, hiding out in the cave, letting other people pander to me and look after me. Which do you want to be? Which do you want to be? Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to see a whole nation turn back to Jesus like Elijah saw? Or do you just want to hide and live a safe life in the cave where no one can see your faith, where no one can see the light of the world in you? If those of you this morning, you're like, hey, I want, a, I want faith like Elijah. I want, I want a bit more courage. I want a bit more boldness. If those of you, I, just as a step of faith, I encourage you to come to the front this morning. We'd love to pray with you. So we're just gonna sing this song. But if that's you, I want faith like Elijah. Come forward this morning. Let's pray together. Let's get God to stir something in us and awaken our heart to, to follow after Him with great faith.